Decaying Review and Speaking to the Blind, celebrating 40 years of audio newspaper production. Welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times podcast, recorded at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre by our amazing volunteers. You can get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter or Instagram using at QNReview, that is at symbol C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. You can also contact us directly by emailing information at tunereview.com. That is I-N-F-O-R-M-A-T-I-O-N at symbol C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot C-O-M. Or by calling 0141 772 3976. That's 0141 772 3976. The Glasgow Times, on Thursday the 31st of August 2023. From the news section. Council issue vow after spat of bin thefts in Glasgow's Knightswood. An article written by Tom Grant and read by me, Corey. The council has reassured Knightswood residents they will replace stolen bins free of charge after a recent spat of thefts in the area. People living around Chaplet Avenue and Loxley Avenue told the Glasgow Times they had experienced their wheelie bins going missing from outside their homes last week. One resident, Christine Jackson, claimed she even had to confront youths who were in the process of making off with four of them. She said it's been reported to police and councillors, but it never seems to work, as there are no deterrents. I've done my bit confronting them, and getting the four bins back. Other Knightswood natives say bins are being taken to be set alight, with it claimed one blue bin was found close to the site of Knightswood's Park Bowling Green. Police Scotland, however, say they've not received any reports of bins being stolen or ablaze in the Knightswood area recently. Glasgow City Council vowed any local whose blue bin is subject to this kind of act can have it replaced free of charge and advised residents to contact police to report a crime. A spokesperson said, Stealing and vandalising recycling bins are crimes that should be reported to the police. We're aware that theft and vandalism of bins does happen in places across the city, but we have no specific information about the cases that have been highlighted. Where appropriate, residents should also inform their factor or housing association of an issue so they can determine what action can be taken to deter theft or vandalism. Replacement recycling bins can be ordered online for no charge. That article was from the Glasgow Times. It was written by Tom Grant and it was read by me, Corey. The Glasgow Times on Thursday the 31st of August 2023. From the news section. An exclusive. Dad claims teen girl's underwear forcibly removed at care unit. An exclusive article by Amanda Keenan and read by me, Corey. A probe has been launched at a care unit amid allegations a teenage girl had her underwear forcibly removed by staff. Relatives claim the vulnerable 15-year-old had been left shaken and distressed by the incident at St Mary's Kemmure in Bishop Briggs. The care inspectorate said today that they are carefully considering all the evidence after the complaint was raised by the child's father. 
speaking exclusively to the Glasgow Times, the teenager's dad said, My daughter suffers from complex needs and has post-traumatic stress disorder. She has been through a tough time in her relatively short life, and this latest incident has caused her a great deal of upset. I understand staff at St Mary's have a difficult job to do, but I just don't feel comfortable by the way this was dealt with. My girl is sensitive and deserves to be treated with dignity and compassion. To remove her underwear against her wishes and while she was menstruating was completely unacceptable. If her underwear was soiled or unclean or had to be taken off, she would have been more than capable of doing it herself. I've raised my concerns with the care inspectorate and the manager at St Mary's. I expect a full investigation to be carried out as my daughter says she was totally humiliated. However, staff at the residential care facility, which provides support to vulnerable youngsters and their families, claim they were forced to intervene due to physical hygiene and self-care issues. A spokesman for the Board of Trustees at St Mary's Kemure said, A young person being cared for by us became distressed last weekend, and staff were concerned for her safety. At the same time, the young person experienced significant problems stemming from physical hygiene and self-care issues. For the young person's safety and well-being, staff intervened to change her clothing, which was very heavily soiled. At all times, the young person was covered up with towels and blankets to afford her dignity and respect. The staff at St Mary's Kemmuir informed the care inspector of this episode in accordance with their own internal policies and procedures. No complaint was made. The father has also alleged that indecent images were also being accessed on shared tablets at the facility, and he has also raised concerns about the level of privacy his child and others are afforded. However, the spokesman for St Mary's told the Glasgow Times that strict policies are in place to prevent youngsters from accessing pornographic sites or any content deemed unsuitable. He added, The problem of young people making use of electronic devices to access adult sites is one that is common to schools across the country. St Mary's Kemure has a strict policy of no mobile phones and a trigger system alerts staff if a young person tries to access inappropriate sites on laptops or other electronic devices. Where such attempts are made, staff intervene to close down access immediately, and as part of our ongoing IT systems, firewalls are upgraded regularly. We work to ensure that young people in our care are afforded as high a degree of privacy at all times as possible. A spokesperson for the care inspectorate confirmed to the Glasgow Times that the complaints are currently being investigated. They said a concern has been raised with us about this care service and we are considering all of the information given to us carefully. If we uphold a complaint, we will publish the outcome on our website. That article was from the Glasgow Times. It was an exclusive article by Amanda Keenan and it was read by me, Corey. The Glasgow Times on Thursday the 31st of August 2023 From the news section Glasgow LEZ Council reopens support fund for new applicants An article by Marissa McRitter and read by me, Corey. 
A fund that helps small businesses and households upgrade their vehicles to comply with the low emission zone has reopened to new applications. Funded by the Scottish Government and administrated by Energy Saving Trust, the LEZ Support Fund offers financial support to households and micro-businesses to encourage them to purchase newer, less polluting vehicles. Micro-businesses can also benefit from the LEZ Retrofit Fund to retrofit light goods vehicles, heavy goods vehicles and wheelchair accessible taxis to LEZ requirements. The LEZ Support Fund provides households and micro-businesses or sole traders with a grant of £2,000 to prompt the disposal of a vehicle which does not meet LEZ requirements. The fund also offers up to a further £1,000 in mobility grants or travel better credits to purchase a bike, e-bike or public transport vouchers. The LEZ Retrofit Fund offers grants of up to 70% to cover the cost of a vehicle retrofit, with micro-businesses and sole traders able to apply for funding for up to three vehicles. Grants are being offered on a first-come, first-served basis, subject to availability. Councillor Angus Miller, Glasgow City Council Convener for Climate and Transport, said... I'm pleased that the Scottish Government and Energy Serving Trust's LEZ Support Fund has reopened and can continue, as it was in previous years, to help enable households, smaller businesses and sole traders to travel more sustainably and meet the required LEZ air quality standards. With £5 million available this year, the fund will support the transition to LEZ compliance and more breathable air for all of us. Over the last four years, around £4 million has been awarded to eligible households and smaller businesses in the Glasgow region, whilst £1.4 million has been paid out to taxi retrofits, with public hire taxi operators in the city now either LEZ compliant or subject to an exemption until next year to allow extra time to achieve compliance. I would encourage households and businesses to check their eligibility to see if they can take advantage of this year's funding availability. The move comes amid an ongoing legal challenge against the LEZ, backed by local businesses who claim the air quality targets were met during Phase 1 of the scheme, negating the need for Phase 2. We previously reported that the bid to have Phase 2 deemed unlawful spearheaded by garage owner William Patton, was given the green light to move forward on July 28th. A new procedural hearing is set for September 8th and will be followed by the judicial review on October 17th. To find out more about the LEZ Support Fund, visit www.energysavingtrust.org.uk forward slash advice forward slash guide hyphen to hyphen low hyphen emission hyphen zones. That article was from the Glasgow Times. It was written by Marissa McRitter and it was read by me, Corey. The Glasgow Times on Thursday the 31st of August 2023 from the news section. Glasgow man banned from Mogai breaks court order. 
an article by Tristan Stewart Robertson and read by me, Corey. A Drumchapel man was banned from a town but kept returning anyway, a court has heard. Brian Andrew had court orders not to set foot in Mulgai or to have any contact with his ex. But he not only broke those court orders, but then failed to appear at Dumbarton Sheriff Court for trials on the matter. When he did appear on August 29th from custody, he pleaded guilty to breaking a bail order by being in Mulgai in August of 2021. He also admitted to not appearing for trial on January 23rd, 2023. On February 9th, 2023, he was in Lennox Park, Mulgai, in breach of the bail order, resulting in two charges. And on Monday 9th, 2023, he again failed to appear at court. He pleaded not guilty to a charge of repeatedly going to his ex's home on various dates in 2021, buying on a door and windows, attending with flowers and gifts, and repeatedly entering the home without authorisation. The Crown accepted the not guilty plea. The court was told that the initial incident was now two years old. He had been in a relationship for 13 years with the woman. At 12.45 on August 4th, 2021, the woman saw Andrew was slumped over, intoxicated. He was asked to leave several times and police were called. When officers arrived, she said he was hiding in a back cupboard. Despite already breaking the ban to set foot in Mulgai, Andrew was found slumped over on a bench in Lennox Park. There had been reports of a man in dark clothing staggering around in a play park. He appeared drowsy and his slurred speech, the court heard. His defence solicitor said that her client had previously served 14 months in prison. She said there was no fear or alarm caused to the former partner when Andrew turned up. The solicitor said he had sought solace in alcohol and street volume, but knew he should not have been in his ex's home. And when he didn't appear for trial in January, he didn't have the money to travel to court. In the second incident of being in Mulgai, he had got stuck there by train and had not intended to go. Sheriff Maxwell Hendry said he was lucky to get as many chances as he did. He deferred sentence to September 27th for social work reports to be prepared. That article was from the Glasgow Times. It was written by Tristan Stewart Robertson and it was read by me, Corey. The Glasgow Times on Thursday the 31st of August 2023. From the news section. Popeyes announces opening date for new Barhead store. An article written by Ben Waddle and read by me, Corey. A popular American chicken chain has officially confirmed the opening date of its new Barhead store. Popeyes has announced it will be opening its new drive through restaurant at the town's retail park on Monday, September 18th according to signs on the store's window. The eatery will bring flavours of Louisiana to Scotland, with its signature 12-hour marinated chicken and original southern biscuits and gravy. They will also be serving brand new breakfast items. The new store will include a dining area for 56 people, with 16 seats outside. 
That article was from the Glasgow Times, it was written by Ben Waddle, and it was read by me, Corey. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 1st of September, from the news section, Exclusive F asterisk 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 in BAMS Man through Corona Bottle at Strangers in Glasgow. This article is by Connor Gordon. A man who threw a bottle of beer at strangers amid a neighbour dispute has been jailed for eight months. Robert Smith, 33, launched the Corona Bottle at Will Bewick and Shahar Dubiner in Glasgow's Kelvin Grove on July the 10th, 2023. The city sheriff court heard that the pair were walking by a flat and heard a loud thud. Shouting and swearing was also heard coming from the open window. Smith attended at the window and told him that they were F asterisk 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 in BAMS. He then left the property and attended at the ground floor where he chased the witness. Prosecutor Katie Bell said he threw a bottle of Corona at them. The bottle did not make contact with them. Police were contacted and attended the flat where Smith was arrested. He pleaded guilty to a single charge of assault. Smith's lawyer told the court that the flat belonged to a relative of his partner who was in dispute with a neighbour. It was stated that Smith thought there was a repetition with the trouble his relative's partner were having. Sheriff Brian Cameron said, You are lucky you didn't make contact. It is recognised there was no alternative to a custodial sentence, given your record. And the article was an exclusive by Connor Gordon. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 1st of September, News, Celebrity Spotting, One and Only Celtic Legend Spotted at Glasgow SEC Play, Report by Esther Tarnoy, A Celtic Legend has been spotted yesterday at the opening night of a Hoops play. Fergus McCann, a Scottish-Canadian businessman, is best known for acquiring 51% of Celtic FC in 1994 when the club was facing bankruptcy. Now, the 82-year-old was seen at the opening night of the Celtic Story, a special gala performance in aid of Celtic FC Foundation. The play began a three-week run at the SEC Armadillo, 35 years after its original debut. Fans were ecstatic to run into the legend at the event. One person said, not every day you bump into Fergus McCann. Unbroken history. Another added, What an opening night. The cast absolutely smashed it. But the best part for me was seeing my dad pure buzzing at the after party, especially when he got to meet Fergus McCann. The official Celtic Twitter page also thanked the entrepreneur for attending. The post read, We're honoured to be joined by the one and only Fergus McCann tonight at the Celtic Stories opening gala performance, the man who reinvigorated the club's charitable efforts. And that report was by Esther Tarnay. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 1st of September, from the news section, exclusive, UF asterisk 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 ing stabbed me, man repeatedly knifed Glasgow gunman, by court reporter Connor Gordon. A man who repeatedly stabbed an alleged gunman with a knife has been locked up. Gurdas Singh, 
40, assaulted Brian Lowe in Glasgow's Netherly on September the 1st, 2020. Singer Mr Lowe initially got into an argument which turned physical in the early hours of the morning. A court heard Mr Lowe pulled out a gun which was slapped away by Singh. He was then seen to thrust towards Mr Lowe's upper body. The stricken victim, victim shouted, You stabbed me! You F! Asterix, 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 ing! Stabbed me! Singh was found guilty at Glasgow Sheriff Court to assaulting Mr Lowe to severe injury, permanent disfigurement and danger of life. The court heard from digital sales worker Jonathan Milligan, 31, who heard an argument outside his home. He stated that a man with a rough Glasgow accent met two Asian men and things turned nasty pretty fast. Mr Mulligan told police in a statement that the smaller Asian man said, Are you going to steal my brother's S asterix asterix asterix? Do you think I'm stupid? The witness stated that the two men went face to face and the smaller Asian man appeared to hold something behind his back. The other man was here to ask, while panicked, what are you doing before getting into a scuffle? The smaller Asian man is stated to have said, we are going to do you. Mr Mulligan went on. I heard the other man screaming and I looked out the window and I saw what looked like him, like him pull out a black gun. It looked, in my opinion, to be real and I phoned the police at that time. The gun was pulled out and pointed at the smaller Asian man's face. He didn't seem bothered and slapped it away. The two Asian men were claimed to have chased the other man down the road. Mr Mulligan said, I saw the smaller Asian man thrusting towards his upper body. The man was later seen to struggle and shout for his dad. Another witness, Kim Bosworth, also stated that she saw a smaller man coming together with another man who was the aggressor. The other man was heard to say, you stabbed me, you F, asterix, 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 ing, stabbed me, while the smaller Asian man walked away. In his closing speech to jurors, Mr Harter stated Mr Lowe woke up in hospital while in and out of consciousness. He suffered two stab wounds to the chest and upper arm. Eddie Robertson, defending, told the court after the verdict that his client, a dad of four in the city's Pollock Shields, has two previous convictions for assault. He said, This was a serious matter. There is no shying away from that. Mr Singh is aware of the seriousness of the offence he was found guilty of. There was no medical evidence, but Mr Lowe seems to have made a, made a recovery. Sheriff John McCormick deferred sentence pending background reports until next month. He said, It is unlikely there will be a sentence other than custody standing this offence in your record. Standing in the gravity of your offence, your bail will be revoked. And the article was an exclusive by Connor Gordon. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 1st of September, from the news section. Manhunt launched after fake roofers demand money from victim. By Tom Grant. Two men accused of being bogus callers demanded payment from their victim after the householder tried to cancel their appointment, say police. The suspects made a cold call to an address in Papert, offering roofing work. The duo then quoted a very high price for the work and became agitated and unhappy when the victim later tried to cancel the deal, 
After becoming suspicious, both men are described as white males in their 30s to 40s. One was around 5 foot 9 inch with an English accent. The other was a stocky build with a small beard and was wearing shorts. The suspects had two vehicles described as being grey, carrying ladders on top. Argyle and Western Bartonshire officers are now appealing to anyone who may have seen the, the men or their vehicles on Tuesday, tw- August 29, in Alexandria. PC Kevin McCord from Dumbarton Police Station said, Bogus callers are often preying the most vulnerable people in our communities and try to scam them into losing substantial amounts of money. We are looking for anyone who may have seen the suspects or their vehicles to come forward with information. We would encourage people to check their door cameras, dash cams or other CCTV that you might have access to. Anyone with information is urged to contact Police Scotland on 101, quoting the reference 0731 of August 30th, or online through www.scotland.police.uk slash contact hyphen us. It can also be reported information anonymously through Crimestopper Scotland on 0800 555 that's 0800-555-111. And the article was by Tom Grant. From the Glasgow Times, Friday the 1st of September. From the news section, Paolo Nutini impersonator who bombarded his ex with calls, sentenced by court reporter, A Paolo Nutini impersonator who bombarded his ex with phone calls has been ordered to do unpaid work. Jamie MacArthur, known professionally as Paolo Martini, contacted the woman between April and June 2023. The 32-year-old of Cambuslang rang her at least 260 times. MacArthur was heard to repeatedly change his voice during some of the calls. He stated that he loved her and asked her to guess who he was and the letters of his name. MacArthur pleaded guilty to engaging in a course of behaviour which was abuse of his partner or ex-partner. The court heard the pair were in a relationship for 10 months in 2018. MacArthur left the woman 40 missed calls on April 12, 2023 from a withheld number. A further 40 calls were made to her the following day. These calls were made in the early hours of the morning. On April 22nd, she answered some of the calls which she recorded and a man's voice could be heard. He said, I love you. I'm sorry. Make me feel safe. Guess who I am. Can you meet me tomorrow? Guess the letters of my name. She was unable to recognise the voice behind the calls. Prosecutor Stuart McLean added, It appeared to be a put-on voice. She asked throughout the calls who it was. She was contacted again the next day when she answered four calls. The person on the other end again appeared to be putting on a voice, saying the same things as before. Four days later, there were 45 missed calls in the early hours of the morning. The woman contacted the police and reported the number to the O2 Nuisance Call Bureau. Police systems determined that the the number had previously been provided to them by MacArthur.
The calls continued, with sometimes receiving between 3 to 20 a day. Mr McLean said, On May 22nd, there were over 120 missed calls. Her call log could only hold 120. A voicemail left was noted as being MacArthur. A number previously linked to MacArthur was also identified. Police attended MacArthur's home on June 12th and he provided his phone number which was the same as the one reported to O2. In reply to caution in charge he said there will be a counter charge. Amy Spencer, defending, told the sentencing that the end of the relationship left her client with unresolved issues. The lawyer added The best he can tell me about these calls, which he fully acknowledges were persistent and grossly excessive, was in relation to receiving some closure to the difficulties that occurred. He accepts he behaved in the complete wrong way and went about this in an inappropriate manner. He is in the entertainment industry and has his own business. Sheriff Michael Hanlon told MacArthur that this was a serious offence but would take a step back from custody. MacArthur was ordered to do 100 hours of unpaid work and put put under supervision for 15 months. A three-year non-harassment order was also granted, restricting MacArthur's contact with the woman. In that article was by our court reporter. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 4th of September. Connor Gibson sentenced for his sister's murder and sexual assault. An article written by Rosie Lewis. A man convicted of the murder and sexual assault of his sister in a depraved attack has been jailed for life with a minimum term of 22 years. Connor Gibson, who's 21, was found guilty of attacking his sister Amber Gibson in Woodland in Hamilton, South Lanarkshire, on November 26, 2021, following a trial at the High Court in Glasgow. He removed her clothes, sexually assaulted her with the intention of raping her, inflicted blunt force trauma to her head and body and strangled her. He was sentenced at the High Court in Livingston on Monday. Stephen Corrigan, who's 45, who was found guilty of attempting to defeat the ends of justice and breach of the peace by intimately touching and concealing Amber's body after discovering her at some point in the following two days, instead of contacting the emergency services, was jailed for nine years at the same court. Amber, who was 16, was reported missing on the evening of November the 26th and her body was discovered in Cadzo Glen in Hamilton two days later on November the 28th at 10 past 10 in the morning. Mr Gibson was arrested three days later on December the 1st and the day before his arrest posted a chilling tribute to the sister he had murdered writing on Facebook, Amber, you will fly high for the rest of time. We will all miss you, especially me. I love you, Ginger Midget. Goodbye for now. During the trial, the court heard how evidence from forensic pathologists showed Amber had died as a result of compression of the neck. When Mr Gibson was convicted, the former foster family of both siblings said in a statement that Amber was the most giving, loving, supportive and admirable person and that their lives will never be the same again. The family said, She kept us on our toes and had the most amazing outlook on life considering the suffering she'd experienced. The statement continued, When they arrived at our home, Amber, aged three, and Connor, aged five, Connor stated, 
we're safe now. They were until he took her safety away. An article written by Rosie Lewis. Glasgow Times News on Monday, the 4th of September. Appeal for Old City Tenement Wallpaper. An article written by Kirsty Fierick. A desperate appeal has been launched for old wallpaper that was used in Glasgow's tenements. Researchers are attempting to uncover interior design styles that were used throughout the city from the 1800s until the 1950s. It comes as the National Trust for Scotland is urging Glaswegians to look out for old photographs, wallpaper scraps, receipts and other clues to create a time capsule exhibition. Emma Ingalls, National Trust for Scotland curator for Glasgow and the West, said, We're curious to know more about the decorating choices of the past. At the tenement house, we're fortunate to have been left a few clues in the form of old wallpaper. One of the best examples of these has a design of beautiful dark pink roses arranged in a wreath, set against a dark green background and reminiscent of the early 20th century Glasgow style. Other pieces are less distinctive, although most are variations on leaves and flowers. They would have brought much-needed colour into rooms that were originally subdued under gas lighting. The kitchen and hall wallpapers were varnished to make them easier to clean and more hard-wearing. In many tenements, the kitchen doubled as a living and sleeping space and was often decorated with wallpaper to reflect these functions. If enough pieces are contributed, the project will be showcased in the city's Garnet Hill area. This will be the first ever archive of wallpapers used throughout tenements across the city, which featured various styles since their construction. Emma added, My historical research of typical tenement-style decor has shown that the popular wall coverings haven't been well studied. We're appealing to help fill the gaps in our knowledge and to document the different styles used around the turn of the century. We're hoping to develop a small exhibition at the Tenement House if we receive enough examples, and those wishing to send in their examples can do so via our Facebook page. Together, let's start to build a picture of interior decorating Tenement Style. The Tenement Style project supports the National Trust for Scotland's vision to provide access to nature, beauty and heritage for everyone, as outlined in its 10-year strategy, launched in 2022. This project contributes to its conservation and engagement objectives to speak up for heritage that doesn't have a voice and provide inspiring heritage visitor experiences. An article written by Kirsty Furick. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 4th of September Glasgow pub overwhelmed with donations for Help the Homeless An article written by Marissa McWhirter Kind-hearted punters flooded a Southside pub with donations of toiletries for the city's homeless population on Saturday. The Old Smiddy hosted a collection of unwanted and unused toiletries for men and women over the past few weeks before handing them off to a local community group, Help the Homeless Glasgow. Jason Barnes, an assistant manager at the Cathcart pub, said the turnout had been absolutely amazing. He added, there were just bags and bags of donations that came in. It's mostly people local to the area and regulars at the pub and staff that have come to drop things off. Community is the main thing. It was overwhelming. 
We like to back things that are closer to home. The streets of Glasgow are in a bit of wear for tear state, and it's always good to support locals and know that we're giving back to the city. Help the Homeless Glasgow will be distributing the donations to those in need at its soup kitchen and shared across the city's services, helping those at risk. Anton Riley, an organiser with the group, said toiletries can get overlooked. Often communities donate food, but toiletries are important for hygiene and the people love getting them. It's like their Christmas has come early. I'm blown away and absolutely amazed by today. The reception is amazing and this will be hugely appreciated. He added, massive thanks to all at the Old Smiddy, customers and local residents in Cathcart. They all came together and donated a mountain of toiletries for our friends in temporary accommodation. These will be handed out at our soup kitchens and shared amongst some of the services across the city. This really was an amazing gesture by the local community and by the pub. If any other community groups, pubs, shops or businesses would like to do something similar, please get in touch and we'll be glad to come and pay you a visit. An article written by Marissa McWhirter. Glasgow Times News on Monday the 4th of September. High school students help design the new University Hospital Monklands. An article written by Morgan Carmichael. A group of high school students have helped design and plan part of a new Scottish hospital. Sixteen young people from fourth, fifth and sixth year who took part in the Monklands Replacement Project Summer School were tasked with designing a courtyard area for University Hospital Monklands, which is being rebuilt in Western Moffat. The summer school was planned in collaboration with North Lanarkshire Council's education team and the Developing the Young Workforce team. Councillor Angela Campbell, North Lanarkshire Council's Convener of Education and Families, said the commitment and enthusiasm of our young people has been truly inspiring over this programme. The project has helped pupils make the link between school curriculum and real life and just seeing their ideas come to fruition and how they can be applied to an important project such as this is very exciting. The summer school gave the group the opportunity to hear from a range of hospital staff, including a consultant and a physiotherapist who work at the older people's ward at University Hospital Monklands. Staff explained how the ward works, the health and safety requirements and what patients need to help them recover and return home. A facilities management colleague also informed the youngsters what needs to be taken into account from a cleaning and maintenance perspective. Martin Hill, NHS Lanarkshire Chair, said The Monklands replacement project isn't just another hospital. It's an opportunity for everyone in the community to get involved and this summer school is a great example. As well as architecture, this was a chance for the young people to see how a hospital works and the range of professions that are necessary for a hospital to function and provide services to the local population. On behalf of the board, I'd like to thank the young people, not only for giving up their time, but also for sharing their creativity and ideas. While Fiona Cowan, Monkland's Replacement Project Clinical Lead for Nursing, added, What a fantastic week we had with our young people. We'd like to bring our local young people into the project where possible to help us design and plan the new hospital. It was really inspiring that the young people give up a full week of mornings during their school holidays and we really appreciated it. 
Kepi Design delivered the week's activities, drawing on a vast amount of previous experience with this type of programme. David Ross, director at Kepi Design, said, The young people were so articulate in explaining their designs. They listened closely and thought hard about the patient group that the courtyard would be serving. They demonstrated a knowledge and understanding of the brief, with careful consideration given to rehabilitation, safety, privacy and dignity. Most importantly, they had fun with the project. An article written by Morgan Carmichael. Glasgow Times, on Monday the 4th of September. Lifestyle. Legendary singer announces Hydro Show. An article written by Ben Waddell. A legendary singer has announced a show at Glasgow's Hydro for later this year. Sir Tom Jones will bring his Ages and Stages tour to the city on Tuesday, December the 19th. Announcing the show, the music legend said he is thrilled to be playing in arenas across the country. Tickets for the show will go on sale on Friday, September the 8th at 10am. Sir Tom Jones took to X, formerly known as Twitter, and said, Thrilled to announce I'll be playing arenas across the UK this December. I can't wait to bring my Ages and Stages tour to a city near you. It's going to be lots of fun. An article written by Ben Waddell. Glasgow Times News. On Monday the 4th of September. Man caught going at 114 miles an hour, granted a licence to drive private hires. An article written by Drew Sanderlands. A man who was disqualified from driving after he was caught going at 114 miles an hour has been granted a licence to drive private hires. Glasgow's licensing committee heard how a mobile camera recorded Akali Mohammed driving at excessive speed in 2019. Police Scotland objected to his bid to become a private hire driver, but the applicant said he wanted to try and prove that this will never happen again. Councillors decided to grant the licence for a restricted period of one year and issued the driver with a severe warning over his conduct. Councillor Alex Wilson, SNP, who chairs the licensing committee, told the applicant his exceptionally dangerous driving could have killed someone. A police officer said Mr Mohammed had been disqualified for 70 days and fined £450 at Dumfries Justice of the Peace Court after he was observed travelling at 114 miles an hour on a 70 mile an hour section of the motorway. He said Police Scotland did not believe the applicant was a fit and proper person to hold a private hire car driver's licence. Councillor Wilson asked Mr Mohammed, Did you catch Max Verstappen? What were you doing at 114 miles an hour? The applicant said there was no justification for going at that speed. That was excessively speeding. I can't go back and change that. The only thing that I can do is to try and prove that this will never happen again. Councillor Wilson said, There's never an excuse. I appreciate the fact that you are saying you want a second chance. If we give you a driving job, that's going to take you around our city. You have got to adhere to the speed limits. You'll be told on numerous occasions, Go a bit faster, driver. I'm running late. What would you do? Mr Mohammed said, In the past, I would have been a bit empathetic and maybe gone slightly faster. In the situation I'm in, I will make sure that I go under the line or stay on the line to make sure that I'm never exceeding the limit again. Councillor Wilson responded, The safety of your passengers is paramount. Your livelihood will depend on you not breaking the law. 
I could understand if you were one or two miles over the speed limit, but not 44. 114 miles an hour is exceptionally dangerous, and you could have killed yourself, you could have killed numerous other people. An article written by Drew Sanderlands. Glasgow Times. News. On Monday, the 4th of September. No risk to safety for school pupils. An article written by Hamish Morrison. Public buildings in Scotland containing reinforced autoclaved aerated concrete, or RAC, pose no immediate risk to safety to school pupils and hospital patients, a Scottish Government minister has said. Well-being Economy Secretary Neil Gray said investigations are underway to assess the scale of buildings in Scotland containing the collapse risk concrete. The Scottish Government has said the lightweight concrete is present in 35 schools in Scotland, with local authorities checking which other buildings it was used on, including hospitals and social housing. Speaking on BBC Scotland's The Sunday Show programme, Mr Gray said... At the moment, there is no immediate risk to people using these buildings, and that is why we continue to support our local authority partners, NHS boards and others that have RAC in their buildings to ensure that remains the case, and if there are issues to be resolved, that mitigations are taken to ensure people's safety. The issue came to the fore after the UK government confirmed 104 schools in England will close due to the presence of the material – which was linked to the collapse of a primary school roof in Kent in 2018. The concrete was used from the 1950s until the mid-1990s, with the Institute of Structural Engineers saying it will only need to be replaced if it's considered to be of poor condition and at high risk of collapse. Mr Gray said there is no reason to believe that the safety concern has changed in the previous weeks. Obviously, there are checks ongoing, including intrusive checks, because obviously some of this material is going to be deep into the structure of buildings. Some of that takes time to carry out. First Minister Hamza Youssef said on Saturday that Scottish ministers have no plans to close affected schools at this stage. An article written by Hamish Morrison. Glasgow Times News. On Monday the 4th of September... Tesco staff offered body cameras after the rise in crime. An article written by Molly Court. Tesco employees have been offered the chance to wear body cameras when on shift due to a significant rise in physical assaults, the supermarket's chief executive has said. Writing in the Mail on Sunday, Ken Murphy said the abuse had increased by a third in a year. He explained... The British Retail Consortium found that incidents of violence and abuse against retail workers almost doubled from more than 450 per day in 2019-2020 to more than 850 last year. At Tesco, physical assaults are up by a third on this time last year. To combat the issue, Mr Murphy said that Tesco is doing their bit by investing £44 million over the last four years on security measures, such as door access systems, protection screens and digital radios. We've also rolled out body-worn cameras for colleagues that need them in order to deter offenders, he added in the column. Saying it's time we put an end to it, Mr Murphy labelled the rise in incidents as unacceptable and the impact on workers heartbreaking. I want those who break the law in our stores brought to book, he said. 
After a long campaign by retailers and the union Usdor, last year the government made attacking shop workers an aggravating factor in convictions, meaning offenders should get longer sentences. Judges should make use of this power, but we need to go further, as in Scotland, and make abuse or violence towards retail workers an offence in itself. He also called for better links with police forces and for businesses to be given a right to know how a case is proceeding when someone commits a crime in one of their stores. This would help us to spot patterns and provide reassurance that justice is being done, he said. Gangs take advantage of the fact we do not share enough information. We'd only be able to stop these thugs if we work together. An article written by Molly Court. From the Herald Scotland, Tuesday the 5th of September, from the news section. 11 on trial accused of being involved in child sex and witchcraft ring. Report by Grant McCabe. 11 people today went on trial accused of being involved in a child sex and witchcraft ring. The seven men and four women face an indictment listing a total of 32 charges at the High Court in Glasgow. The accusations involve four children said to have occurred in the city between April 2012 and October 2020. They include claims the youngsters were raped at different times while some of the group did clap, cheer and verbally encourage, as well as video record what was happening. One of the youngsters was said to have been shut in a microwave during an attempt to kill them. It is also alleged two of the children were made to take part in seances, leading them to believe they could see spirits and demons. Ian Owens, 45, Elaine Lannery, 39, Leslie Williams, 41, Paul Brennan, 44, Marianne Gallagher, 38, Scott Forbes, 50, Barry Watson, 47, Mark Carr, 50, Richard Gakagan, 45, Leona Lang, 51, and John Clark, 47, deny the accusations they face. Owens and Lannery first face a charge that features a claim they got a child to carry control drugs on their behalf. It is then said, Owens, Lannery, Williams, Brannan, Lang, Gallagher and Watson assaulted a child to the danger of her life. This included putting a black plastic bag over their head, affecting their breathing. The next charge states Owens and Lannery assaulted another child. Owens, Lannery, Williams, Brannan and Clark are then accused of the attempted murder of a second child. This charge states they were made to act like a dog and eat pet food. It also said the group did chase the child while wearing a devil mask. They were also allegedly hung by their clothing from a nail on the wall. The murder bid charge later claims the child was pushed into and trapped inside a microwave, an oven, a fridge freezer and various cupboards. Owens and Lannery are then accused of holding one of the children underwater in a bath. Prosecutors state the pair were then threatening and abusive to the children. All 11 are next said to have got two children to take part in seances and use a Ouija board to call in spirits and demons. They also allegedly got the children involved in witchcraft, leading them to believe that they themselves had metamorphosed into animals. 
The eleven are then accused of being involved in the killing of dogs while getting two of the youngsters to take part. Owens alone faces a charge of raping one child, including with Watson, Brannan, Clark and Forbes. Owens and Lannery go on to be, to be accused of a sex abuse charge. Owens is next charged with raping one of the children. The eleven, along with a woman now deceased, were then allegedly involved in the rape of a child. It is claimed they got them to take drink and illicit drugs. The charge states that they were, while they were being sexually assaulted, Lannery, Williams, Lang, Gallagher and the other women did clap, cheer and verbally encourage the alleged crime, which was also video recorded. Forbes alone next faces an indecent images accusation. Owens faces a further sex offence before him and Lannery are accused of abusing one of the children. Owens and Watson allegedly got a child to take part in sexual activity. Owens and Lannery are then accused of raping the same child. A further charge claims all 11, along with two others now dead, also abused him with the men this time and said they were out of cheered while it was going on. Owens and Brannan are then accused of raping the child. Prosecutors also claim the child was made to watch footage of a youngster being abused. Lannery is next said to have molested one child. The group, along with others deceased, are accused of raping the same child which included them being held down and restrained. Two children were ordered into a bedroom and the door blocked while this was allegedly happening. One child was also said to have been made to operate a camera and create video footage of some of the abuse. Owens next faces a threats charge while him and Lannery are then accused of attempting to pervert the course of justice. Prosecutors finally list a number of drugs charges involving some, or all, of the group. These date between 2010 and 2020. The 11 come from the Glasgow area, as well as East and West Dumbartonshire. Lord Beckett told jurors the trial could last at least five and a half weeks. And that report was by Grant McCabe. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 5th of September, from the news section, Building site boss accused of dealing drugs and swallowing SIM cards? By Connor Gordon, court reporter. An alleged boss at a building site is on trial accused of dealing drugs from the premises. Stephen McGregor is claimed to have been spoken to by police at a new set of flats in Glasgow Carmyle on April 21st, 2020. The 39-year-old is stated to have told police officers that he could lead them to ounces of powder. This was said to be on the condition that the officers let a number of workers there referred to as straight pegs go. A police officer added that McGregor, of a different address in Carmyle, also ate SIM card as there was too much on it. McGregor denies being concerned on the supply of cocaine at Glasgow Sheriff Court. He also pleaded not guilty to a separate charge of intentionally obstructing police by swallowing a SIM card. A joint minute of agreed evidence was read to jurors at the start of the trial. Prosecutor Sean Doherty stated that police recovered from one of the flats a polythene bag containing rock material, which was found to be 204.27 grams of cocaine. Also discovered were scales, a roll of polythene bags, two boxes of polythene bags and a polythene bag with tape. Detective Sergeant Graham Scott, 47, 
told jurors that he and his officers executed a search warrant for a block of flats on a building site. The witness stated there were up to six workers on the site and McGregor was identified as being the boss. D.S. Scott claimed McGregor took him and a colleague aside for a private word. Mr. Doherty asked what happened and D.S. Scott replied. He said something along the lines of, if you let the rest of them go, I will tell you where the stuff is. D.S. Scott stated that he then cautioned McGregor, who allegedly said, they're straight pegs, if you let them go I will tell you where it is. It's just a few ounces of powder. The witness claimed that when McGregor found out there would be a sniffer dog on his site, he replied it would find it anyway. D.S. Scott stated that McGregor was put under arrest after he became aware that he ate a SIM card. The witness told the jury, he said, I couldn't let you get that, there's too much on it. I had to play the game. D.S. Scott stated that the packaging containing the drugs was removed from a pipe. Thomas Ross Casey, defending, asked D.S. Scott if the other men had their DNA or fingerprints taken. He replied, The circumstances I believe was the case at the time was that Mr. McGregor made the statements that I read out which identified that it had nothing to do with them and the items were his. Once they were checked out, they remained in the vicinity but were allowed to leave the building. D.S. Scott later stated to Mr. Ross that his client gave officers a wrong description of where the drugs were. Mr. Ross asked what level of the premises it was on and D.S. Scott replied, The ground area. This was not where the drugs were found. Mr. Ross said, This is just nonsense. D.S. Scott replied, Of course it isn't. The advocate also asked if his client admitted to being a drug dealer, which D.S. Scott replied, Yes. Mr. Ross put it to the witness, This is a disaster, this operation. You let three people away without taking fingerprints and DNA. You held someone with admissions to drugs, wonder about house and dispose of a sim. That shouldn't happen. D.S. Scott said, There are points that I would agree with you. The trial continues before Sheriff Paul Reed. And that article was by court reporter Connor Gordon. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 5th of September, from the news section, Exclusive. Cardonald mural of female pilot ruined by works weeks after completion. By Marissa McWhorter. A community mural has been ruined by building works just weeks after it was completed. Residents of Cardonald welcomed the colourful gable end depiction of local aviation legend Winnie Drinkwater when it was completed at the end of July. However, essential works to the building on Paisley Road West have left significant damage to the artwork. Stitch-like cracks in the paint now snake up either side of the mural from the pavement to the roof of the tenement. It is understood the gable, the gable itself was cracked and works were carried out to fill in the fissures. Artist Dan McDermott of Spreewell Murals was told of the required construction a week into painting the mural. He told the Glasgow Times he plans to revisit the location to assess the damage before repairs are carried out. The Winnie Drinkwater mural is part of a series of interactive murals to be created in the area as part of a joint initiative between Cardonal Councillors and SWAMP, South West Arts Music Project, or SWAMP. The Cardonald Area Partnership has allocated £12,000 of a £1 million neighbourhood improvement fund on two murals, including the painting of Winnie Drinkwater. 
It has not yet been determined how the repair work will be funded. Councillor Alex Wilson, a member of the Cardonald Area Partnership, said It's disappointing to see the damage to the mural, but this is a minor setback. We hope to have the mural fixed in the coming weeks. A spokesperson for the council added This is an unfortunate situation. Checks on whether the other work was due to go ahead were made in advance of the mural being painted, but no information was received in response. An assessment of the work needed to repair the mural is due to take place shortly, and that will inform the cost of any further work. Each area partnership is allocated at £1 million from the Neighbourhood Infrastructure Improvement Fund, and how that money is spent is a matter for the individual area partnerships. And the article was an exclusive by Marissa McWhorter. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 5th of September, from the news section. Exclusive. Glasgow Clyde College slammed for interviewing students for full course. Exclusive by Marissa McWhorter. A prospective student has hit out at Glasgow Clyde College after he was interviewed for a place, despite the course being full. Michael Christie applied for a place on the NC Sound production offered by the college in the spring and was invited for an interview with several other students on June 13. Less than a week later, on June 19, Michael was told he had been put on the waiting list for the course. He said, I submitted my application during the application, application period, so I had the impression that there were spaces available at the time. It seems as though they fill up all their places but still invite people for interviews and then chuck them on a waiting list, which doesn't seem fair. Myself and other students have been left in limbo without being able to plan ahead. We were invited to an interview for a course that's already been filled up. It really impacts on students that are trying to better themselves and get into education. Michael filed a formal complaint with Great Glasgow Clyde College following the incident. In an email seen by the Glasgow Times, a representative from the college said it was their policy to interview all potential students applying for the course and... Due to the course being popular, there was a waiting list. In response to the complainant, the representative apologised that Michael never knew he was applying for a waiting list place. They added, I will endeavour to work with our admissions department to ensure this is made clear when the interview invite is sent. Michael, 41, has Asperger's syndrome, a form of autism, which makes proper communication and forward planning paramount to his mental well-being. He told the Glasgow Times, I put this on my application and they made no accommodation for my disability. I need to know in advance what's happening so I can plan ahead. I feel like my life has been put on hold. Now, clearly, the course has started. I and other applicants were thrown on a waiting list without even being considered for a place because the places were already taken up. It's not a fair way to treat people or a fair process. They're giving people false hope. I feel very frustrated and let down. A spokesperson for Glasgow Clyde College said, The college offers waiting lists to popular courses in line with other further education institutions across the UK. We'd like to extend our apologies for any inconvenience caused to this student. And the article was an exclusive by Marissa McWhorter. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 5th of September, from the news section. 
Natalie McGarry ordered to pay £66 at proceeds of crime hearing. Report by Connor Gordon. Shamed former politician Natalie McGarry has been ordered to pay just £66 after it was agreed she benefited £55,000 from general criminal conduct. McGarry, 41, was found guilty of stealing £19,974 while treasurer for Women for Independence. She embezzled a further £4,661 while treasurer, secretary and convener of the Glasgow Regional Association of the SNP. McGarry had been the MP for Glasgow East between 2015 and 2017. She was jailed for two years in June 2022, which was reduced to 20 months on appeal. A proceeds of crime hearing took place on Tuesday at Glasgow Sheriff Court as the Crown sought to recoup the stolen cash. Alan McLeod, defending, told Sheriff Barry Divers that an agreement with the Crown accountant had been reached. The advocate said, there is an agreed benefit figure for the general criminal conduct which is £55,870 and there is an agreed available amount of £66.36. There is an agreed joint minute that you will make a confiscation order for £66.36 and that will be paid to the Sheriff's Clerk within one month of today. Miss McGarry maintains her innocence for the charges and does not accept she committed any crimes. There are statutory presumptions that she accepts apply to her. She is unable to vouch for these amounts that went into her account over a period of 10 years. She accepts she is unable to rebut the statutory presumptions. Fiscal Deputy Brian Duffy told the hearing that the £66.36 figure was the only amount available to Miss McGarry towards the confiscation order. The order was granted by Sheriff Divers. Earlier hearings were told the Crown had been looking into McGarry and her partner, former Glasgow Tory leader David Meikle's spending over the last 12 years. Mr McLeod told the last hearing that the Crown were no longer referencing Mr Meikle. The Crown initially believed McGarry's benefit figure was £195,241.31, which was then reduced to £110,000. The defence disputed this and believed the benefit figure was £55,000. And the article was by court reporter Connor Gordon. From the National, Thursday the 5th of September. From the culture section, back in the day, Scotland to celebrate the centenary of co-discoverer of insulin. Article by Hamish McPherson. Next month, there will be celebrations in Scotland, especially in Aberdeen, to mark the centenary the award of the Nobel Prize for Physiology or Medicine to Professor John James Rickard MacLeod, the Scotsman credited with being the co-discoverer of insulin, who thus helped save millions of lives as sufferers of diabetes were at last able to be successfully treated for the disease. Regular readers will know that I often write on the date of, or in advance, of an anniversary, and today is no different as it was in this week in 1876 that MacLeod was born which gives me the excuse of writing about his life as a sort of preparation for the main story of his career, namely the discovery of insulin and the controversy which surrounded the Nobel Prize awarded to the Scot. MacLeod was born a son of the Mans at Cluny near Dunkeld on September the 6th, 1876, and he was first educated at home and in the local parish school. In 1833, his father, the Reverend Robert MacLeod, moved the family to Aberdeen 
when he became minister at John Knox United Free Church at Gerrard Street in the Silver City. Always known as Jack to his friends, MacLeod was a bright pupil academically at Aberdeen Grammar School and, from there, he moved on to study medicine at Aberdeen University, where he came under the influence and tutelage of a brilliant physiologist, Professor John Alexander McWilliam, whose pioneering work on heart arrhythmia was widely acclaimed. MacLeod blossomed as a student and became what we Scots know as a lad of pairs, for which he was always interested in the arts and also became a keen golfer. He graduated with honours in 1898 and, by then, he had decided he would be a scientific researcher rather than a clinician. Aberdeen University's website profile of MacLeod states, Upon graduation, MacLeod set his sights in a career in academic physiology, working in a laboratory rather than a clinical setting. Winning a travelling scholarship allowed him to begin his research career in Leipzig where his students involved where his studies involved him in the evolving field of physiological chemistry. MacLeod's research reputation grew quickly and, in nineteen oh three, ten days short of his twenty seventh birthday, he set sail for the United States, where he had been recruited by a university in Cleveland to become a professor of physiology. Several years of research in carbohydrate met- metabolism led to the publication of his 1913 monograph, Diabetes, its Pathological Physiology, and, by 1918, the first edition of his definitive textbook, Physiology and Biochemistry in Modern Medicine, was published. His credentials as a leader in developing training and education, as well as his reputation and prowess as an academic physiologist, attracted the attention of the Progressive Medical School at the University of Toronto, which headhunted him later that year. In view of what happened next, it's very important to know that by 1920, J.J.R. MacLeod was already a very important figure in medical research, especially in diabetes and carbohydrate metabolism. He had first carried out research during a brief spell in London where, in 1902, he published his first paper on the subjects of phosphorus in muscles and was awarded a doctorate in public health by Cambridge University. As early as 1905, he had his first work on the subject of diabetes and carbohydrate metabolism, published, and, in 1910, he gave a famous lecture to the American Medical Association about the various experimental approaches to finding the cause and possibly the cure for diabetes. Back then, a diagnosis of type 1 diabetes, the sort that mostly afflicts young people, was virtually a death sentence, the only question being how long a person would take off the, to die of the disease for which there was no known cure. There had been some progress in previous years and it had been known since 1889 that diabetes developed due to a fault in the pancreas. By the time he moved to Toronto, McLeod was one of the leading figures in diabetes research worldwide. Do you know all about the experiments going on to try and secure pancreatic extracts that would help lower blood sugar in diabetics? Some of it had been carried out in Aberdeen, but none anywhere had been as successful for more than a day or two and the side effects were horrendous. Then came a fateful meeting in November 1920, which would change the world for diabetics. McLeod was approached by 29-year-old Dr Frederick Grant Banting, a war hero. He won the military cross for his bravery on the Western Front, from Allison, Ontario. Banting had the idea of treating diabetes with pancreas extracts, but he had not researched the subject as much as McLeod, who nevertheless took him on. Within three years, both men would share the Nobel Prize. The award that made 
Macleod world famous in 1923 was shrouded in controversy, as his colleague Banting tried to claim the lion's share of the credit as you will see next week. Let me give you a foretaste of what is to come and you'll see why I've been very much siding with Macleod in the controversy, which I will report on next week. In his biography on the Nobel Organisation's website, it states, Macleod was a very successful teacher and director of research. His lucid lectures were delivered in an attractive manner, and his pupils and research associates found him sympathetic and stimulating a worker, who demanded exact work, and a humility that was a feature of his character. He would not tolerate careless work, he was much interested in the development of medical education and especially the introduction of scientific methods of investigation into clinical work. Banting was not on par with McLeod in key areas and next week I will show how J.J.R. McLeod was absolutely entitled to a share of the Nobel Prize. I will also be looking further at this remarkable man. And that story was by Hamish McPherson. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 5th of September, from the news section, Scottish Government to consult over potential ban on single-use vapes by Esther Tarnay, community reporter. A Scottish Government consultation on single-use vapes could lead to the devices being banned, Hamza Yousaf has said. Outlining his first programme for government on Tuesday, the First Minister announced plans to take action, citing high numbers of young people who use a cheap and often flavoured tobacco substitutes. Research from Zero Waste Scotland estimates that 26 million disposable vapes are thrown away in Scotland each year, 10% of which are littered and more than half disposed of incorrectly. The consultation is due to come next year. Speaking after the announcement, the First Minister said, Disposable vapes are a threat to both public health and environment. We know that the bright colours and sweet flavours catch the eye of children and young people in particular. The World Health Organisation has said there is evidence to suggest that young people who have never smoked but used e-cigarettes double their chance of starting to smoke tobacco cigarettes late in later life. Last year, we consulted on restrictions on the advertising and promotion of vaping products. Any action we seek to take will build on the regulations already in place to restrict the marketing promotion and sale of vaping products to under-18s and the findings will be used to inform the Refish Tobacco Action Plan. On the environment, the evidence is undeniable. From litter on our streets to the risk of fires and waste facilities, there are issues which demand action. We will be working constructively with retailers and other stakeholders to come up with solutions. While we will be asking for views on a ban, we are also keen to explore other interventions that could have a more immediate impact. Of course, this is not just an issue for Scotland. These problems have been experienced all over the UK and we will soon be holding discussions on potential solutions. Ahead of the consultation, Circular Economy Minister Lorna Slater and the Public Health Minister Marie Todd have been asked to meet with colleagues from across the UK to discuss a policy response. However, the change could put the Scottish Government and Westminster Government on another collision course with a ban requiring an exemption to the Internal Market Act. A similar exemption was required for the banning of most single-use plastic items, while the two governments engaged in a constitutional battle over an exemption for the deposit return scheme, which ended up being scrapped. And that article was by Esther Tarnay.
Evening Times, September 6. Opinion. Susan Aiken, leader of Glasgow City Council, says, It's great to be recognised as metropolitan region. Glasgow is the heart of the only genuine metropolis in these islands north of Manchester. Our sheer scale, population size and the national importance of the Glasgow city region marks us out as a place of international significance and recognition. Over recent years, Glasgow, its neighbouring local authorities and partners across the public, private and academic sectors have worked across geographic and professional boundaries on issues from economic growth and the climate emergency to the health and well-being of almost two million citizens, addressing those social and economic challenges which for too long have held our communities back has become all our priorities. But for all that, there's never been a proper recognition of Glasgow as a metropolitan region, despite being something we've been pushing for. That's not simply about status, although like many Glaswegians, I believe it's a status we fully deserve. It's about the powers and levers which come with that formal recognition, which can ultimately create better jobs and better opportunities for all our people across the region. That's the real prize here. That ambition has now taken two major leaps forward. Just last week, the city region, that's Glasgow, Lanarkshire, Renfrewshire, Dunbartonshire and Inverclyde, took control from the Scottish Government of what is potentially the biggest regeneration project in Western Europe. Clyde Mission will transfer and transform whole swathes of the riverside, attracting not only new business and investment opportunities and new homes, but better preparing the city region for the impacts of climate change and new green economy. The £40 million provided by the Scottish Government to the authorities now charged with delivering the Clyde mission, will be crucial in advancing the plans. But what will be much more important is the levers which must come with that to meet our metropolitan potential. And at the time of writing, the Scottish Government has announced it is further empowering Scotland's regions, including how best to deliver on our ambition for metropolitan status. That Programme for Government pledge is a huge step forward for the west of the country. It recognises how important we are to all of Scotland, but also with the right powers, we can make much better inroads into challenges around growth, productivity, and making sure as many of our citizens as possible have access to well-paid and secure jobs. These steps are a testament to the really strong partnerships already delivering for our regional economy. Glasgow, for example, ranked as the top UK city for small businesses last year. 
the 13th most sustainable city in the world and the second greenest UK city to invest in. A recent report has also found that we are the fourth biggest place for foreign direct investment in the UK and the second best city in the UK for innovation. Those are solid and very positive building blocks. At the same time, having made sure the UK and Scottish governments heard us loud and clear, we have secured more than £110 million in the past year to attract even further investment and to grow those new and cutting-edge industries which are becoming increasingly important to our economy and international reputation. These are outcomes from the sheer graft and persistence of the Council and its partners, work they do daily and daily in the toughest economic environment experienced for generations. It is in marked contrast to those senior members of previous city and UK administrations still catching up on what Glasgow's economy actually does these days and what it needs to do to continue growing and delivering. It's really not enough for them to do little more than pedal myths and false comparisons with other cities while throwing in a few buzzwords they've heard but don't understand. They are not doing the basic homework on what's actually happening in your own backyard. While our opponents continue to obsess about personalities and positions, we are getting on with attracting historic investment and putting in place the things which actually help deliver prosperity, growth and fairness. Don't get me wrong, Glasgow will and does work with many cities across the UK for the benefit of all our citizens. The work we lead on with Bristol, for example, is crucial to how all UK cities plan for the net zero future. What Glasgow does not need, though, is more denigration by local politicians, so blinded by their need to trash and attack, that they have not a clue what a growing and fair economy looks like let alone deliver for one. Thankfully, there are many others who do. Tomorrow, the SNP will bring forward a motion to full council backing, calls for the discrimination of drugs for personal use. The war on drugs has clearly failed. It has failed those suffering from addiction, their families and the communities impacted by drugs. We cannot continue to treat a major public health crisis which costs hundreds of Glaswegians their lives every year as a matter of criminal justice. The significant drop in drug-related deaths in the past year is, of course, to be hugely welcomed, but one death is one too many, and Scotland needs bold and radical action to address a crisis which has burdened families and communities for far too long. Earlier this summer, the expert Global Commission on Drugs Policy invited Glasgow to help build a coalition for change. They did so because this city has continually made its commitment and willingness 
to seek solutions to this issue clear. And just last week, the Home Affairs Select Committee proposed a safe consumption facility in our city. Glasgow has had a collective voice on safe consumption, which has allowed us to put forward a strong case, something I have no doubt the committee took on board. What has been considerably less positive has been the interventions by some senior Labour figures, most notably Rachel Reeves, who said she did not even think our drugs crisis should be a Scottish Government priority. Decriminalisation is evidence-based. It's been adopted with considerable success by many international cities, and it could have a significant part to play in turning around the lives of many afflicted by addiction. I hope tomorrow all councillors have that same openness to tackling our drug death crisis as they have in the past, says Susan Aiken, Lieber of Glasgow City Council. This from the Glasgow Times on the 6th of September 2023 from the news section. And the headline reads, Fresh plea for not-for-profit public transport system in Glasgow. This article is by Catherine Hunter. Glasgow's Labour leader has issued a fresh plea for a fully integrated not-for-profit public transport system in the city, which is controlled by the public. At Thursday's full council meeting, Councillor George Redmond is expected to present a motion that demands a new, fair funding agreement for Glasgow in the wake of the cost of living crisis. The motion will also focus on issues impacting many Glaswegians, including an inadequate public transport system. It comes after First Bus put forth plans to cut the nighttime bus service, which were later withdrawn due to pushback from the hospitality industry and politicians. The motion reads, The Council notes that for too long, Glasgow has been let down by two failing governments, both at Holyrood and Westminster. The people of Glasgow deserve a competent and functioning Scottish Government, who act in the best interests of all the citizens of our city. The Council notes recent proposals by the Scottish Government to increase council tax for the poorest people in society. This increase will affect thousands of hard-working families across the city, who are already struggling to make ends meet during a cost-of-living crisis. These increases are a direct result of years of SNP cuts to local government, leaving the people of Glasgow being asked to pay more for less. Council Redmond's motion will also raise concerns over budget reductions, which has impacted public services, cleansing, schools and the culture sector. Commenting ahead of Thursday's full council meeting, Councillor George Redmond said, It is abundantly clear that after over two decades of mismanagement and austerity, under the SNP and the Tories, Glasgow has suffered greatly. This city is the driving force of Scotland's economy, yet has been treated as a second-class city. The people of Glasgow have had to pay more for less due to SNP cuts to local government, and it's time for a new deal. Labour is committed to putting Glasgow first, and will ensure that the city finally receives the recognition and resources it deserves. It's time for a new deal for Glasgow. The motion also asks council bosses to write to First Minister and all Glasgow MSPs to seek their support for a fair deal for Glasgow. 
talk was by Catherine Hunter. That concludes this week's edition of the Glasgow Times podcast. Please remember to subscribe to our channels at Food Review and to tell your friends about our service.